Here's what you missed on Buck Sexton with America Now. We have Ben Shapiro joining us now. He's editor-in-chief of DailyWire.com. He's a syndicated columnist, host of The Ben Shapiro Show, also writes a column for National Review. Ben, great to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, tell me about your piece on The Daily Wire. Only 45% of Republicans think Trump Jr. met with Russia, but here's why that number isn't nuts. Okay, so the the fact is Trump Jr. did meet with Russia. I mean, he talked about it. He admitted it in emails. There, there's no real controversy that he met with at least people who were claiming to be emissaries of the Russian government. But the reason that that isn't nuts that only 45% of of Republicans are saying that the meeting happened is because the real truth is that most Republicans who are now answering pollsters are answering the pollsters motives. They're not answering the pollsters question. So we all know when we get a a question from a pollster, do you think Donald Trump Jr. met with Russia? What we're really hearing is, do you think it is important that Donald Trump Jr. met with this, this Russian lawyer? And our answer is no. So, it's, so what we're doing now is we are reading into what we perceive the motives of the pollsters to be, which is not a terrible thing to do, considering the pollsters do have motives. It's not going to give you, you know, particularly answerable results, uh, verifiable results. But the, I think that there is a lot of that going on. I think when people talk to pollsters these days about whether you approve or disapprove of Trump, uh, there are a strong number of people who are going to say that they approve of Trump just to say F you to the, to the pollsters. Uh, and I think that there's you know, a, a lot of that when it comes to policy uh, or if there's a if there's a poll about Trump's tweets, you know, like you may think, OK, well, I thought to myself, I didn't really like that particular tweet. But the pollster who's calling up, he's just looking for an excuse to rip Trump. So forget it. I'm not going to be part of that. So I'll just say that I loved Trump's tweet. I think there's that that mentality has settled in on the right a little bit. And I don't think it's completely unjustified. Speaking of polls, you also have up on Daily Wire that a vast majority of Americans think government has to ensure universal health insurance. Ben, I feel like this is the part of the health care debate that doesn't get nearly enough attention, and that is that, for the most part now, both sides of the political aisle are going along with the idea that, that, that the government has to provide everybody with, with not really even health insurance, but actually health care. Yeah, well, people have identified health insurance with health care. They think health coverage means that they're going to be provided health care, even though people are covered by Medicaid, and that doesn't mean that they actually achieve health care any better than they would if they just went into the emergency room. Uh, the, the, what the poll shows is that three out of ten Republicans say that it is the government's job to provide health coverage for everyone. Uh, one of those three in ten Republicans is probably President Trump. I mean, President Trump said back in January very openly that he thinks that any plan he promotes is going to end with universal coverage, everyone being able to get coverage regardless of what they can afford to bear. Well, once you say that, the Democrats have won. I mean, then you're at single payer. It's just a question of how fast you get there, how quickly you achieve it. And this has been the the fundamental disconnect on the right. Like, you expected this sort of stuff from the left, but the right has bought into the concept that government's job is to ensure that everyone has health coverage. And once you do that, then you're only going to be able to do that through an individual mandate or through actual nationalization of the healthcare system. Those are the only two options. There is no third option. You're, you can have quality and affordability, but not universality if you have a free market. But if you don't have, a, but, but if you want universality, the only way to get it is to force people to buy health insurance or to, uh, or to just nationalize the system entirely and then cover people whether they want it or not. At a very simplified level, this just comes down to if you let people make a choice to get health insurance or not, despite all the incentives, all the subsidies, all the things that you can do as a government, short of literally mandating it, some people will choose not to have insurance, and that means that some people will go bankrupt when they need medical care, but the government doesn't want to say that. That's right, and and one of the things that's really crazy is that Republicans won't even say that. So when you have the CBO reports coming out 
about the various versions of the Republican bill that have been presented. And it'll say 22 million more people will be uninsured. And then you look in the bill, in, in the CBO report, and, and it'll say two-thirds of those people will drop out because there's no longer the individual mandate. What that means is that there are 14 million or 15 million people who are saying they don't want to buy insurance and are currently being forced by law to buy insurance. That's not a, a, a good thing. That's a bad thing. But, it's, it, but, the, it, but even the Republicans are too wary of stepping on toes to make the case that, of course, universal insurance should not be the goal. The goal should be quality and affordability so that you can get it if you want it, but that you have to make responsible decisions in order to be able to get health insurance when you're healthy. And the truth is the vast majority of people in the United States already have pre-existing conditions. It's called having employer-based insurance. I mean, we're all in group insurance programs. If you have a job, the individual insurance market is like 8% of the entire population. So we're talking about remaking the entire health insurance system, the entire health care system, actually. We're talking about doing all of that for what is it best for 5% of the population because there's still a bunch of people who aren't covered. What do you think the GOP senators should do at this stage of the game, considering that uh, Mitch McConnell looks like he's just flailing at this point? Uh, they've said they may go forward with an actual uh, an actual repeal instead of just calling some new bill a repeal. What do you think they should do? What do you think they will do, Ben? I mean, I hope that they go through it with a, with a full-scale repeal. There's a question of what they can do under reconciliation. So they can try and push through a repeal bill that repeals the regulations of Obamacare plus the taxes plus the mandates. That would be my preferred option. Right now, what they're talking about in their current repeal bill is getting rid of these subsidies, getting rid of the mandates, getting rid of the taxes, but leaving the regulations in place, which is why you're seeing those CBO estimates that really inflate insurance costs. If you're still forcing insurance companies to cover pre-existing conditions, but there are no subsidies uh, and there's no mandate, then, of course, the costs are going to rise dramatically. So it depends on the bill they present. They should try and push a full repeal, but the question is, can they legally do that under reconciliation? Uh, if not, I think that you know, going back to the drawing board with the bill that they had in the Senate, even though I don't like the bill particularly much, I don't think that it repeals Obamacare, the big question here is not whether it repeals Obamacare. The big question is whether it is better or worse, and they should stop using the word repeal and replace. They should just say, listen, what we've got here is a bad system. It's going to take us a while to get back to a free market system because too many people are dependent. So as a first transitory step, here's what we're going to do, right? And then even I, who, who want a full-scale repeal, like right off the bat, I would say, okay, well, if this is the first step, then I'm willing to give you a little bit of rope. But if you're going to tell me that this is full-scale repeal and then you're going to sell me something that's not repeal, then the answer is no. I'm not going to let you say as a final step that this is your replacement solution when it leaves all of the Obamacare regulations in place. We're speaking to Ben Shapiro. He's editor-in-chief of DailyWire.com and host of The Ben Shapiro Show. Ben, uh, Bill Nye has said that old people, this is up on dailywire.com, old people have to die for us to stop global warming. I tried to watch some of his show on Netflix, and I'm actually somebody who really likes Netflix. It made me think maybe I should just cut off my Netflix uh, subscription. It was so unwatchably terrible. Bill Nye saves the world. But this broader theme of save the world, uh, have less children, save the world, um, old people have to die. The left says this stuff with more regularity, it feels like these days. NPR just tweeted out, I think the last 24 hours, the ways that you can help save the world from you know CO2, global warming, and it's be a vegetarian, have less kids, take less plane rides, don't drive cars. Wow. Uh, this is stuff that a normal person would say you're crazy, but yet this is becoming mainstream on the left. It has been mainstream for a while, really. Yeah, it, it has been mainstream. I mentioned that that Oprah Winfrey said the same thing about race back in 2013. That, that in 2013, Oprah Winfrey said that all the old white people are going to have to die in order for racism to die out. The left seems very wedded to this idea that if the populations they don't like would just die out, everything will be okay. That seems like a pretty sick, perverse perspective. 
And we on the right will always joke, okay, well, if the leftists don't have any kids, then in a generation we'll have beaten them demographically. But we don't actually want leftists not to have kids. We like kids, okay? We're anti-abortion. We like kids. We'd like for people to have kids. Uh, this, this push by the left that we're not going to try and convince you. We're just going to wait until the people we don't like get old and die. Uh, it's not a particularly Republican notion, like small R Republican notion. No, it's it, it certainly not. But I, I'm surprised to see how open it is these days that, as you point out, that older populations, uh, children don't have babies. There's nothing that is too much for the global warming cult to put forward. You can you can justify anything under the rubric of, well, it's saving the planet. And that's not an exaggeration. That's why with Bill Nye saves the world with his show, they say some crazy stuff on there. Oh, yeah. I mean, beyond all the, the global warming stuff, uh, they also think they're saving the world by telling people that really their their innate desires to have sex with everything up to and including trees. You know, it, it, it's really an awful show. I mean, it's, it, if you even watch one segment of it, it was nominated for an Emmy. I mean, you, you watch one segment of it and, and you feel like you've lost half your brain power immediately, which may in fact be the plan. Maybe the plan is to actually soul suck everybody who watches this show. And then eventually it's like invasion of the body snatchers and Bill Nye just seizes whatever is left of your of your central nervous system and, and uses it to control you, because I can't explain otherwise why anyone would think the show is good. Before we can let you go, Ben, to do a uh, battle with social justice warriors across the country and, uh, and on the interwebs, you got to tell us about what's going on with Berkeley College. Sounds like you're the latest conservative to get uh, the, to get the, what, the, the slow roll treatment? Are they banning you? Are you going? What's happening? Yeah, so I mean, basically it's the slow roll treatment. So what, what they said was, uh, we, I was supposed to speak in September for, for Berkeley. I spoke there last year, no problem, right? And no, no protesters, nothing. Uh, this year, we had, we had put in all the paperwork. Uh, CRs, the College Republicans, had put in all the paperwork, sponsored by Young Americans Foundation. They gave them a 10-week notice and said, you know, we'd like one of these venues. And Berkeley got back and said, none of those venues are available, not available on the day. We'll get back to you later. And so it, this is exactly the same sort of thing they did with Ann Coulter. They kept pushing, okay, we're going to try this venue, and then we'll do a different date, but that date isn't going to work, so maybe we'll do it in the middle of the day, and maybe we won't really give you a big venue. And so they're kind of, they were, they're kind of jerking us around. We still haven't heard back formally from them. They're now saying in the press that they are going to facilitate the event, make sure that it happens with a venue of the appropriate size. I certainly hope that's the case, because if not, we're going to sue them. So I mean, <laughs> those, are, those are their two choices. So, the, 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 the disadvantages, um, folks, of infringing on a, on a lawyer's First Amendment rights, uh, <laughs> there you have it. It's not a good idea. Ben Shapiro, everybody, check out his latest on DailyWire.com, where he's the editor-in-chief. Also, you can listen to the Ben Shapiro Show. Ben, always appreciate you making the time for us. Thank you, sir. Thanks so much. Like us on Facebook. Just search Buck Sexton.